Most building projects involve some element of roofing works, but as architectural designers, we're not necessarily experts in all types of roof construction. So how could you minimize your risks and ensure your next roof is designed and built properly? That's exactly what we're going to be chatting about in today's episode of Architecture Business Club, the weekly podcast for solo and small firm architecture practice owners just like you who want to build a profitable, future-proof architecture business that fits around their life. I'm the host, John Clayton. If you want to get notified when I release a new episode and get access to free resources and exclusive offers, then go to mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash ABC and sign up to my free weekly email newsletter. Now let's chat about roofs. Today's guest is James Talman, CEO of the National Federation of Roofing Contractors and competent roofer. Since 2016, James has led a transformation focused on enhancing technical excellence in roofing and elevating industry standards. He's played a key role in partnerships, including CITB's RoofCert accreditation program, and represents the NFRC globally, fostering connections with roofing bodies in China, Germany, USA, and Canada. James, a recent board member of Build UK, balances his professional life with a passion for sports and the outdoors. James, welcome to Architecture Business Club. Thank you, John. Very pleased to be here. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. James, I also know, aside from your interest in sports and outdoors, I also know you're a big music fan, particularly from the 1980s era, and especially Simple Minds. Is that right? Oh, dear, John, you know far too much about me. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm showing my, my age, but uh, I, I, I'm a passionate fan of 80s music. And indeed, uh, Simple, Simple Minds, going back to its very much the origins of the band, and I uh, have been a regular at their gigs over the years. Brilliant. What, what's it like to see them live? They were originally a, a, you know, a real sort of stadium band. And uh, I think... I've seen them in that guise and I've seen them in their acoustic versions. It can go from being this big bombastic anthem to be played in an acoustic version in a very sort of tranquil manner. And it's, it shows the quality of the song, for example. So no, I'm a massive fan. Indeed, I've used it. I've used one of their songs at our annual roofing awards uh, a few years ago, much to the, uh, the amusement of my colleagues. <laughs> <laughs> they're all like james not not simple minds again can we can we put something different on this year <laughs> <laughs> yeah indeed indeed i think my my daughter might be quite pleased to have a bit of taylor swift or gracie abrams yeah i'm sure but i i'm a big fan of 80s music as well so simple minds all the way for me as well but we're not going to talk just about 80s music today we are going to talk about what you do over at the nfrc and specifically how the NFRC can help small firm architecture practices as well. So firstly, what is the NFRC? Okay, well, I'm speaking to you today from our London headquarters. In essence, what what the NFRC is, is a membership organisation founded originally back in 1892, no less, I believe it was started by a, a, a gentleman in Hull and, and a group of slaters. And over the period, the, the term federation relates to the fact that it had originally seven uh, regions. And 
it, it has evolved into a modern organization of circa 1,300 members. And its origins, as, as I've uh, referred to, is in contracting. But these days, of course, fundamentally, it's about contractors, but it's the whole supply chain in particular, all leading manufacturers of roofing products are members and indeed merchants and service providers. So it's very much this supply chain. And then the other side to the bow, if you like. So we have that as our trade association membership. Uh, we also own a, a accreditation scheme for roofers who self-certify work to building regulations. So in other words, you don't need to, as an architectural practice or client, bring in um, building control if the, the work can be carried out by one of these companies called Competent Roofers who can self-certify and produce the building control certificate. So that's a regulatory business alongside our trade association. And that business has circa 600 members. That's interesting. So um, the Competent Roofers scheme, is that a little bit similar to say like the fencer equivalent for, it, for it is indeed. fencer for the, windows and it, it, exactly yeah. so all these various schemes covering things like boilers and um glazing external wall insulation etc all uh, come under the term competent persons schemes i think it's a slightly a misnomer as a name because it's actually about companies initially we should mm. then have competent installers but the companies are accredited through uh ucas uh, which these days also now sits under the building safety regulator, you know, which is controlled by the HSE, to an international standard of, uh, which is a company standard, ISO 17065, which we are accredited as a compliance requirement of us to make sure that all our 600 contractors are meeting their, their, their requirements to provide this self-certification service. Okay. So, I mean, what are the advantages of working with NFRC registered contractors? What are some of the advantages there? Well, yeah, that's, that's obviously a, the, the nub of things is why use one of our members? So, you know, a lot of trade bodies historically were associated with what it's a badge or what's behind the badge. In the case of the NFRC, uh, to start with, all members are independently inspected. So what does that mean? So when you join the NFRC, NFRC you go through a rigorous process in terms of your, your commercial probity, your office procedures, your health and safety procedures, etc. And we do an office visit, site visit, and, and then, sorry, and then we follow that through by doing site visits. So in the case of the a new member would be audited, as I say, not just from the point of view of their, their, their business procedures, but also practically of their work. And as long as both those things uh, comply, they then are accepted into membership. And now from the point of view of the NFRC, the Trade Association, those inspections, the audit, the office side is done every year and the sites are inspected every three years on a triannual basis. With the competent person scheme, it's, it's slightly more rigorous, and 
because of the necessity to meet our uh, UCAS requirements, and those sites are inspected at least once a year. Got it. So it's a, a fairly rigorous... It, it, it absolutely is, and it's independent. I, that was one of the changes in my time. We moved away from uh, the process of you know, using our own, so to speak, to using our... In fact, we use our inspection team from our uh, competent person scheme across the whole network, both, both sides of the business. And obviously, in turn, those inspectors are subject to ongoing training, updates on standards, etc., to keep them competent. Could you tell me a little more about the, the competent roofer scheme? So from the point of view, so in essence, for a, comp- for a roofing contractor, currently the, the, the remit of the scheme is for domestic and commercial retrofit roofs, so not new build, albeit that's likely to change quite soon with the Building Safety Act. But in essence, it means that the contractor uh, has to go through this uh, inspection process that I've discussed. From the point of view of the, the consumer specifier, the contractor has to provide a 10-year workmanship guarantee has to make sure that they are um, providing full compliance with regard to data provision. Now, when I say data provision, we are a data hub for all registered jobs. So the contractor has to register early, notify us this work is going to proceed to enable the inspection process to kick in. And at the end of it, as a scheme provider, we also have to provide uh, the client with a 10-year uh, insurance-backed guarantee. And that's in the unlikely event that the contractor went into uh, liquidation or during the time of the guarantee. Which we hope doesn't happen. <laughs> Which we absolutely hope doesn't happen. I'm very pleased to say, despite the economic climate, uh, that, that's been very few and far between. Yeah, let's hope it stays that way. So... I guess something I'd like to dig into is if you can outline a few ways, a few examples of how the NFRC can help architecture practices specifically. So um, have you got any thoughts on some of the things that you do that and, and the resources that you have that might be useful um, for architecture practices that they may not be aware of? Yeah, I'd be delighted to. I mean... Very much, I think the first thing to say was we're here to help. Very, very simple terms, we are here to help. The specialization in any area of construction, let's just take roofing, is a minefield for an architect to keep up to date with with regard to changes in legislation, technology, etc. And to have a trusted, independent voice, please urge your subscribers if they want some basic help please be in touch we have a technical uh, helpline and in their first instance we can provide we're not here to tell you what is the best solu- best product to use we're here to tell you to help you to ensure whatever product you choose to use is installed to its best ultimate um you know best quality if you like and th- and it's that sounds very sort of basic, but that's the starting point. So 
you can do that either, and we'll give you the links after the pod. So please encourage, uh, as I say, for, for anybody who wishes to get some basic help to be in touch. If, you know, going beyond that, my next suggestion would be very much engage with our members early, not late. Often we see the problems with, with work is because the contractor has been brought in very late in the proceedings. Design is all complete, et cetera, et cetera. And then the contractor say, well, hang on a minute. How am I going to practically produce this, complete this? common issue very uh, common uh, not just and, not just with roofing contractors either <laughs> indeed indeed and and i think a lot of the subscribers might be relatively small companies and you know in turn a lot of our members are relatively small we've obviously got some very large companies as well but more than willing to help so long as you've put you know one's building that kind of professional mutual relationship you know and that kind of work can be what whether the contractor wins a job or not, but that, that kind of knowledge of wealth, wow, that company really helped me and assist me, that should then help and turn to, to encourage the sort of the use of that firm. So, yeah. I, you know, we very much, the, the ethos of, the, of a, any trade body or good one is to provide our members with as much practical knowledge as possible to assist their existing skills. So that kind of combination between what we can provide and what they can provide, I think is a very strong combination and a good reason to use our members. That that sounds great. The fact that people can freely, we can get in touch if we need some support, if we've got um, elements of roofing works on, on one of the projects that we're involved in the design on. And you can help connect architecture practices to good quality competent roofing contractors and something else you mentioned about was helping find specialist roofing contractors as well say for example maybe it was a heritage building for example maybe it was a listed building or there was some uh, complex roof works to do that sounds like an area where it would be really sensible to get in touch with you guys to connect with the members that you have to be able to find the right contractor for that job Exactly. I mean, again, there's some useful material on our website um, with regard to our heritage register. That's a good example of a type of contractor where the requirements are very specific to be a heritage member. I won't go into the detail now. We haven't got long enough. But in terms of that specific, and again, from a heritage perspective, materials are very local, often in use. So there's different specializations in different parts of the country, for example. So very much i say that material is available on our website what what about reducing or avoiding risks is that something that you can assist with remember don't forget to subscribe to my free weekly email newsletter you can do that at mrjohnclayton.co.uk forward slash abc and if you enjoy this episode then please visit podchaser.com search for Architecture Business Club and leave a five-star review. Now back to the show. Yes, I mean, I would say from the point of view, I'd say sort of going to the first thing to avoid risk, engage early. Make sure specification is very much being confirmed, approved to the contractor. Um, as well as in some cases, it may be a combination of working with the supplier. Because some, some projects... 
the, the specification may be driven by the supplier. Again, I would encourage the use of, why wouldn't I? But clearly there's requirements for suppliers to be members of the NFLC, so that kind of mutual combination. But if after all of that, for instance, for example, and you, we've gone through the vetting, so all that kind of risk process guarantees we've discussed, but ultimately if something went wrong, you've got recourse back to our organization. So that right. you know, in, in resolving any issue, ultimately, one should, in the unlikely event, arise. We are here to act in, a, in, a, in a, an advisory capacity to mitigate the need to go down any legal routes. I think that's very important to us. We do this on a not that regular basis, but where we need to, we are, I think we have a, a good success rate with our members getting our members to work together to sort out any issues. It's good to know. You mentioned there about manufacturers, which leads me to ask about supply chain. You, I think you mentioned earlier in the conversation about whole supply chain. So you also have connections. It's not just the actual roofing contractors that you're connected and working with. There's also oh, the no. manufacturers as well. Absolutely. So we have a very vibrant uh, supplier working group we have representation on our board from uh, from the suppliers within the industry, and they are very valuable and very important supporters in not only uh, ensuring that we're driving, for example, training, um, helping with events, etc., but also in writing and helping to assist us in writing standards and guidance, because yeah, it's sort of bread and butter, isn't it? So that supplier side so going back to your point about supply chain from the point of view of on particularly on big jobs it is crucial that the the, the driver of design would often include quite a lot of input from the supplier so it's very very important to mitigate risk for the contractor and in turn this following of that specification through with the contractor the contractors had all the relevant training to install those products correctly and it's that sort of it's that combination, if you like, that's crucial to the, the success of the job. Sorry, maybe one other point I, was, I mentioned very briefly was well, that it is so important to the to the industry that the supply chain collectively is going to deliver the training and the competency upskilling that's needed because there's no third parties to do this, or very few, I should say, there are a few, but it's up to industry suppliers, contractors to work together to train to make sure we've got the next generation of, of routers. What about resources? You've mentioned that there's some resources that you have, uh, I think, hosted on the website. What, what type of resources do you have on there, James? Yeah, so we've got a range of, so for, from the point of view of what we call essential safety information, we've got free resources, and we urge your, your subscribers to look at that. And also there'll be things like guidance on wind loadings, but you know, bad weather and that sort of thing. So fundamental safety things when carrying out a project and alerts to do with particular issues. Beyond that, then we have, um, which is free to members, we have um, detailed guidance uh, bulletins and, and indeed books, booklets, I should say on various types of roofing. As you can imagine, there are quite a few. So if you were sort of in broad terms, you've got pitched, flat and cladding, and we cover all those genres. So those, those 
um, publications, I say, are free to members. And we charge, um, there's a token amount charged to non-members. And they are, we have an online bookstore for those, for those items. Fantastic. Thanks, James. There's another question I wanted to ask. We've sort of mentioned this a few times throughout the conversation just regarding the Building Safety Act. I was just wondering um, what your thoughts are on the Building Safety Act and if you'd like to share any of those with the listeners. Indeed, and I'm sure it's a topic that the listeners are all having to get to grips with. And it's something that's been in our sphere for quite some time. Indeed, in one sense, the Grenfell tragedy, um, we we predated that in looking at the roofing industry because in one particular manner, the industry has suffered reputationally um, where, I'll use a cliched term, cowboy roofers have brought down the reputation of our members and others who, who do a professional job. And we've been for many years trying to push for the government to support more sort of the route of like the German model where we're a regulated industry. And that goes for other construction trades and where colleagues I know feel very similar. However, that's unlikely until the Grenfell tragedy and the subsequent Building Safety Act. So we are now starting to see mandated uh, legislation coming through. We obviously know that at high level and we're then uh, from the point of view of um, designers and contractors, we have the frameworks of competency there, which I'm sure, as I say, is impacting uh, some of the subscribers. But from our point of view, we've got to then help to ensure the roofing industry is delivering competent companies and individuals to carry out the work, whether it's on a high-rise building or on a semi-detached um, extension. It shouldn't matter. So. From the point of view of the Safety Act for us in the immediate um, future, we are implementing what is referred to as mandatory technical competencies. I know that sounds a mouthful. So all competent persons companies will have to have uh, individual roofers who meet this mandated technical competency. Now, that's not something that can be achieved overnight. It's going to be rolled out over probably the next two to three years, I would suggest. But it starts with those companies because those companies are in the, you know, are required to produce um, self-certification and they are in the spotlight to ensure that they have their competency requirements. The broader industry will follow in due course. So it's a very big piece of work, not just for roofing. And indeed, I'm very pleased with the work we've done with our roof cert accreditation program, we're well on the way to being able to implement this. Some other parts of industry have got some major challenges, but collectively it's going to take time and we've all got to just, I think, be you know, working steadily, collectively together, whether it, it's an architect, whether it's a surveyor, whether it's a trade or whatever sort. It's small steps, but working together to achieve the ultimate ambition. Absolutely. Uh, I think ultimately it's got to be a good thing. But right now, um, I, I know there are a lot of people that are feeling a little bit confused yeah. <laughs> about about the legislation. And I'm trusting that 
there'll be more guidance that comes out to help people in due course and hopefully that comes very soon to to support the listeners of the podcast we'd all echo that absolutely james what what is the main thing that you'd like listeners to take away from this conversation today if you want to the main kind of point i think that you'd like them to remember and recall from this episode um, thank you. So I think I'm going to sort of reiterate what I said earlier. So please, sometimes trade bodies have felt that they're sort of sort of a closed shop for, for members and, and nobody else should get involved. We are, we, our success is by the more we engage with those who specify and need rooms, as in turn that encourages the use of our members. So very much, as I say, the door is open to contact us if you need help that's brilliant is there anything else you you wanted to say that we haven't already covered just one other point i think in terms of anybody and even you know anybody who's thinking of a career in roofing we launched our careers service a few years ago again going back to that reputational matter i referred to during the earlier parts of the pod and uh We've set up a careers service because a career in roofing, I mean, I, like many, I came into roofing by accident from my professional background, and I've been in the industry almost as long as I've enjoyed Simple Minds. And it's a fantastic industry of opportunity. It's going in a very much a professional way, and I certainly, you know, perhaps I won't totally see it in my in time but i want to see this industry continue in its professional route and to get whether it has official recognition it has broad recognition it is a professional sector to be in you make a fantastic living you meet incredible people you're dealing with different jobs all the time it's it's a great place to be apart from all the lovely stuff that roofing needs to do to contribute with uh, net zero which we could touch on on another occasion if you if you wished thanks so much james just to kind of wrap things up i i always like to ask this question so it's not related to the topic that we've been talking about today but i i love travel and discovering new places and i just wondered if you could tell me one of your favorite places and what you love about it well this is probably going to go back to my african origins so my favorite place would be in a part of KwaZulu-Natal, which, which is in the northern part of, of the province, which I, I've been to on a several occasions. It's a particular game reserve where my wife and I went there about five years ago. And it was just us and nothing else in this wilderness. And the peace and tranquility was, was just divine. You can't beat an African night for the sky and and the sounds. So that would be mine. That sounds incredible. Definitely a, a trip to Africa on safaris on my bucket list. I'm not sure when I will get there, but uh, hopefully one day. Well, I very much encourage you. Great. Look, thanks so much, James. That's been really helpful. I was just going to ask you, where can people connect with you online? And if they want to find out more about the NFRC, where is the best place for people to go? 
So the best place will be our, our main website, which is www.nflc.co.uk, and it's equivalents for competent persons. So if you just bang in NFRC competent persons, you'll get the um, in the accredited site. So those are the two main areas. That's great. And, and then um, we're on normal social media and and LinkedIn, Facebook, etc. I'll make sure that we pop those links in the show notes so that the listeners can access the, the links there. Okay, so James, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been a pleasure, John. Next time, I'll be chatting with business coach Mike Cole about how to embrace your neurodivergent quirks. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Architecture Business Club. If you liked this episode, think other people might enjoy it, or just want to show your support, then please visit podchaser.com, search for Architecture Business Club, and leave a glowing five-star review. It would mean so much to me and makes it easier for new listeners to discover the show. If you just want to connect with me, you can do that on most social media platforms. Just search for at Mr. John Clayton. The best place to connect with me online, though, is on LinkedIn. You can find a link to my profile in the show notes. Remember, running your architecture business doesn't have to be hard and you don't need to do it alone. This is Architecture Business Club.